coming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. And it's good to be here with you as we study the Gospel of John together again. And we are in chapter 12. So I invite you to open your Bible. And uh, we're going to start with verse 20 and the Gospel of John chapter 12. And I just want to remind you that this evening, uh, Eastern Standard Time, here in the state of Georgia and USA, at 7 p.m., we're going to be streaming live again with live worship. Pastor Kyung Kim, a good friend of ours, will be with us to lead us in some worship songs, and then we'll have a word from Pastor Rick. And uh, just want to remind you that this is uh, Thursday night is our... Atlanta Bible study that we stream out of Athens because we can't go to Atlanta right now uh, during this time of the COVID-19 thing. But uh, in Jesus' name, we are going to be moving forward from this soon. So July the 2nd, we look forward to being in Atlanta again, in Atlanta, Georgia at the Hampton Inn, July the 2nd to worship in person. And we will have some hand sanitizer We'll set the chairs, you know, maybe have two chairs, you know, together for couples and separate uh, some distance. The room's big enough. We can work that out. And, and we're just, we just got to move forward. We can't be stuck in this forever, right? Amen. So we're looking forward to that. But let's look at John chapter 12 this morning and see what the Lord has to say because it's, a, it's an amazing scripture, really convicting and a powerful word from, from our Lord Jesus. And something that we, you could chew on it for a long time. Uh, but I have, you know, now less than 30 minutes. But, uh, but let's read in verse 20 as we begin. Okay, so Jesus had just come into Jerusalem with the, uh, the he enters into Jerusalem, traditionally called the triumphant entry, entry into Jerusalem. Where the palm branches come, but uh, but our dear friend Miss Betty says not the triumphal entry, right? But you just said it's the he just he just comes to Jerusalem because it really it really he was coming to his death, so it's not really triumphant in terms of you know uh, this sort of worldly praise and glory thing. Even though some people tried to make it that Jesus knew he was going to the cross, um, so. So then he's there, and in the midst of all this, there are some Greeks there in Jerusalem, which was not uncommon. Okay, They had the court of the Gentiles during the feasts and all this stuff, and the Passover. There was a place where God-fearing Greeks could come, or Gentiles could come, and they could participate in the worship of God. So these are Greeks who, who were attracted to Judaism because of whatever reason. You know, maybe the Lord was working on them, or they... They looked at the polytheism and the immorality that was going on and, 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 and the grace of God in them. They responded to it to say, something's not right about that, you know, <laughs> about, 
<laughs> there's got to be, there can't be all this competition between gods. There's got to be one God, right? And so they were attracted to Judaism. Maybe didn't fully convert, but they were there worshiping, participating. And so then they hear, are hearing about Jesus as well. And so they come, and, and there are certain Greeks among them who came up to worship at the feast. The same came before Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. So they've heard about Jesus, they are, which is, you know, not surprising, really, considering everything he was doing. News about Jesus spread for miles and miles and miles around. And so they, they want to meet him. So Philip comes to tell Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. You know, so they come to Philip. Philip goes and finds Andrew. And they say, well, let's go find Jesus. Now this is, uh, in the ministry of Jesus, uh, a timing thing because the way Jesus responds is really interesting. Okay, so you have these non-Jews, these Greeks who say, we want to meet Jesus. In other words, we've heard about this guy and we, we got to meet this guy. We want to know about him. We want to see him in person. We want to ask him some questions uh, because everything that he is doing, if it's true, uh, then we want to be involved in this. So because they're Greeks, though, Jesus answered and said them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, isn't that a weird response? Jesus, we want to meet you. And then, but Jesus is watching timing, okay? He's watching what's going on, and this act of the Greeks, in other words, non-Jews coming to him as a signal to Jesus to say, Oh, the hour has come. It's almost like he was waiting for this to happen. Because, see, Jesus knows that the gospel, of, that his gospel will spread beyond uh, Judaism, beyond the Jews, outside of the nation of Israel. But it's to the Jews first. But it's like he was waiting for a signal that non-Jews are, uh, are sort of hearing about this and ready for it. Sort of like, I, I, I love my yard tools, okay? I like it when they crank. I don't like it when they don't crank. And anybody who uses a small engine yard tool knows you have a primer bulb. And it's this little thing where you, you press this little bulb and it, and, and it creates some suction to suck a little bit of gasoline into the carburetor so that when you pull the crank and the spark plug fires then there's a mini explosion to get it started. And so it's like Jesus was waiting for, for non-Gentiles to prime the pump, to, to see, okay, they're, they're ready now. The, they're, the Jews have heard and the Greeks are about to get ready. They're sort of primed and ready. Everything is set. Now my hour has come. And so he says, the Son of Man should be glorified. Now remember, uh, we're in the book of glory now. The, up, up to now, uh, through the raising of Lazarus, was the book of signs or the book of miracles. And now we're in the book of glory where Jesus is heading to the cross. And so Jesus says, then says after this statement, that now is the time, okay? Because after I die, the gospel is going to go through the whole world. And we can read verse after verse about that. 
But I don't really want to get sidetracked on that particular idea. Um, but that's really what I see going on here. Um, but, but what I want to focus on is when Jesus says the Son of Man should be glorified, He then gives three specific definitions of what He means by that. Okay, And that's in verse 24, verse 25, and verse 26. Each verse is a different uh, take, sort of approaching. What does it mean for the Son of Man to be glorified? What does it mean for to be glorified in the kingdom of God? Because see, obviously we have to have a different definition than our definition of glory. And so Jesus is speaking forth, this is what it means to be glorified in the kingdom of God. And we're going to find that it's uh, not at all the way that the world thinks of glory. So what does it mean to him that he will be glorified? Well, verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Okay, so Jesus is using an agricultural example here to help us attach to a kingdom principle. If a kernel of wheat stays by itself, in other words, if it doesn't fall to the ground, it will never be able to reproduce more of the same. Right? So Jesus is saying that there's a kingdom principle that uh, we, first of all, Jesus is here to reproduce more of the same of Himself in others. But He can't do it unless He falls to the ground and dies like a corner of wheat. And now that, that is a kingdom principle of if, if we want to replicate what God has done in our lives, then just like Jesus, we have to totally surrender unto death. And the call to follow Christ is one of replication, multiplication. I mean, he says that to the disciples. says that to Peter at the end of the gospel. Go and feed my sheep. Go and do what I've done. Replicate what I've done and teach others to do the same. Paul says that to, to Timothy. I poured into you. I expect you to pour into others who will then pour under others. It's a kingdom principle of replication. But it can't happen unless you die. And, and for Jesus, it meant physical death. And for some people uh, in our world, they are called to be martyrs. But all of us are certainly called to die to self, to die to our own selfish ambitions, to please others, to seek our own glory. Remember, Jesus is defining what does it mean to be glorified in the kingdom of God. And He says in the kingdom of God, uh, glory means that you die so that others can be uh Produced in the kingdom as well. Okay, so that's the first one. Is 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 that you do not abideth alone. Okay, in other words, you don't harbor your own life to yourself, but you die so that then the kingdom of God can be reproduced in others. Okay, so verse twenty-five. Now this is a famous verse, right? This is the second definition that Jesus is giving of. What does it mean to be glorified in the kingdom? He who loves his life shall lose it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. 
unto life eternal. Now this verse, I want to spend a little bit of time because uh, the way that it's structured uh, is really powerful and the words that it uses is really powerful. So life is used uh, three times, but the first two times um, the word life is one Greek word that is, and I can't say it, pronounce it correctly, but psyching, okay? So that's he who loves his life, meaning your soul, so to speak, your earthly life, okay? And then he who hates his psyching, his life in this world, shall keep it, okay? But then the third use of life in connection to uh, he who hates his life in this world shall keep it, Unto life eternal. That third use of life is zoe. Okay? So that's just an example of where a little bit of Greek can help you now and then. Okay? I'm not a Greek scholar. I use the internet. Okay? You can use the internet. If you've got an internet connection to watch this Bible study, that you, you know, I just, there's, there's an online Bible that has the, uh, the, the Strong's numbers connected to it, and you just click it, it tells you. And all I did was do some internet clicks to say, oh, Jesus uses one form of the word life twice, and then the third time he uses zoe, which means spiritual life and soul life, meaning it's more of a holistic type of life, a kingdom type of life. And so Jesus says to be glorified means that, that you have an understanding that this earthly life, is a temporary, soulish type of thing, but that there is a different type of life that can be attained through, through dying to this worldly life, through surrendering it. Okay, secondly, okay, when uh, the King James here says, he who loves his life, in verse 25, the beginning, it's an uh, active participle. Oh, come on, man. Okay. All that means is that the, the actual uh, sort of translation could be more like the one loving their life. It's an active, loving current, okay? It's not a, I just love it. It's No, I am loving my life. I choose to continue to actively love this soulless life in this world and I don't want to let it go, okay? So it's an active choice. I am loving my life so much. I just want what I want, okay? And I want to... And when I, I want to please my emotions. I want to please my mind. I want to do what I want to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And so, in other words, Jesus is saying, if you are continually in a place of loving that life, the word lose, you know, I looked at that one too. I said, Lord, I want to understand this verse. It actually... In many other places, this word is used in terms of like the idea of perishing or destroying or ruining. In other words, the concept that you are just going to love your earthly life and go for it in your own way, actually, in the end, you're going to destroy yourself. That's the concept here. Is that you become your own God, and you do whatever you want to do, and you serve yourself. Really, means Jesus is saying, you are ensuring your own destruction. That's kind of heavy. But, on the other side of it, Jesus says, he who is hating, that's another active participle, hating. But it's uh, the word hate 
doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. You can't enjoy... Man, we went to Longhorn yesterday and enjoyed a little bit of life, didn't we? We enjoyed some uh, some steak. We enjoyed some salad. We enjoyed some potato soup and some chowder and uh, some chicken strips, right? And we just... And then we celebrated our, our dear sister, Cindy Walker, and her birthday and said, Happy birthday, Cindy. And uh, there were some cupcakes there. And, uh, and we enjoyed that. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Okay? It's, it's the idea that you don't, you do, you're doing the opposite of what the first part of the verse is saying. You're saying, okay, God, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not committed to my own will, to my own ways, to pleasing myself all the time and to whatever this life has to offer. You're looking towards a Zoe life, and that's what Jesus was looking towards when He thought about the cross. And that's what He means when it means to be glorified. It means that He was catapulted through the resurrection into His Zoe life with the Father. He overcame that temptation because... Really, when the Greeks came to him, when the Greeks started to seek him out, at that moment, he could have made a decision to, to become king of the world. I mean, he, honestly, his charisma and his power, uh, he, could have, he really could have ruled the world in his human state. But he chose the cross. Why? Because he was not going to l- love that idea. He was going to choose to, to turn away from that so that he could look forward to being glorified in the kingdom with a more whole life with the Father. He didn't want to be separated from the Father. He knew that choosing that life, he would never get to the Father. So he chose the way of death. By the way, um, then he turns it to us. It says, if any man serve me, follow me, do what I do, want to, want to follow in my footsteps any man serve me. This is the third definition of what it means to be glorified in the kingdom. Let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Oh, man. Now, that's a motivational speech right there. I mean, Jesus is talking to me because where do I want to be honored? Okay? The praise of man is so temporary and so fleeting and it's not dependable. One day somebody likes you and then you do something tomorrow that they don't like and you're no good. The praise of man is back and forth. You can't trust it. So you can't live for, for man's approval. Oh, oh, they like me today, I feel good. They don't like me today, I feel like a loser. Okay, now that's, that, that gets difficult when you're dealing with family and stuff like that because, because man, we, we want our, our fathers and mothers to approve of us. We want our siblings to, you know, to be connected with us and, and all of this. Um, and we have to overcome that and have grace and mercy. But what, we, what Jesus is calling us forth to think about is honoring the Father is the Father in heaven, His honor. And if we're looking to live for 
to follow Christ and seek the honor of the Father in heaven, okay, then we will be glorified in heaven. And so that's why Jesus says, if any man who's ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of before my Father. But any man who is not ashamed of me, I will, I will not be ashamed of before my Father. And so, so Jesus presents to us the idea of that we would follow Him in service. So what does it mean to follow, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus in service? What do you think? Anybody got an idea? I mean, I have all kinds of ideas uh, in my mind about what it means to follow Jesus in serving. What does it mean to be a servant in the footsteps of Jesus? Go ahead, Matt. Grab that microphone. Well, um, I think basically to put others' needs before your own. There you go. That's a wonderful... So, so Jesus came because we were in desperate need. And there were probably many times where, you know, He just wanted to go relax and, uh, you know, eat whatever they ate. Some olives and cheese, goat cheese maybe, a little tilapia. And uh, and not really deal with the multitudes, and not really deal with the Pharisees, and not really deal with the uh, disciples and all of their. I mean, there were a lot of times that Jesus just probably in his human state was just going, Lord, I knew it would be hard, but man, man, Lord, these people just don't get it. I mean, goodness gracious! And you saw him get frustrated many times in the in the Gospels. But see, the call to serve others means that you're not doing it because you want to necessarily. Oh. And, or that it feels good to do it. Okay, because you're not serving yourself. You're not looking to make yourself feel good or to make, you're not doing it for reputation's sake or anything like that. You're doing it because God called you to. Because God asked you to do it. And a lot of times when when you get into a position like that, you begin to ask questions like, God, this doesn't make any sense. What is going on here? I don't understand how me in this little position here that you've called me to is really doing any good. Because really it seems to me like I'm just, you know, ruining my own name. <laughs> People don't like me. I have no reputation and... and uh you know, if, if you know Rick Bonfin Ministries, if you've heard Pastor Rick uh, and heard some of his stories, you know, Pastor Rick had to make many choices along the way of, am I going to play politics with the church or, or am I going to uh, help a, a lady or a man or a family overcome and break through? And, uh, and so, over and over again, he had to make the choice that he is not going to play the politics game. He's not going to climb the ladder. I remember Pastor Frank, right? His introduction to the ministry uh, is the DS or somebody. I never forget that story. Came to him and said, "You know, let me let me tell you how to make it. Let me tell you how to climb the ladder, right? Let me tell you how to play the game so that you can make being a pastor a little career job." In other words, what he was saying to to uh, to Pastor Frank was. Um, I'm going to give you a choice. You can make this a career where you make a lot of money and you look good, or you can go the way where you try to serve the people of God 
and uh, uh, you know you're going to lose your reputation. And well, Pastor Frank chose to minister to the people of God, and I really respect him for that. He he made the decision that he wasn't going to be a career man in his call. And so the call to serve God means that we have to make a choice of, of how we're going to do it. And it's not always easy. And it's not going to bring earthly glory. It's not going to bring man's reputation. But those of you who are listening, I want you to know that, uh, that Jesus, as He was looking at the cross, spoke to this idea and said, Listen, there is an honor to be had, but it's from the Father in heaven. And you won't get it in this earthly life. And that's okay. You can be at peace about that. Because my Father in Heaven sees what you're doing. And my Father will honor you. And you might not see the full fruit of your labors in your lifetime. Okay? Because Jesus said, if we go back to the principle of the wheat, the kernel of wheat that dies, you know... uh, a lot of times the fruit of our labor does not produce until years after us. Just read, you know, just look at guys like uh, John Wesley, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, you know, Whitfield. A lot of these dead guys. Martin Luther King Jr. A lot of these dead guys, right? Did not get to see the full fruit of the labor. But man, we haven't forgotten them. And the impact of their call and their submission to God, even though morally they may not have been perfect and all of that, their submission to serve God and not seek the praise of man has reverberated through centuries. And it takes faith to operate in that way. Because by faith, we are serving Christ and looking to see that the kingdom of God be produced in this world. And it takes a lot of faith to be committed to what God has called you to do and know that you might not really see in your lifetime the full fruit of it. I mean, that takes faith. That takes a lot of faith because it's hard to continue day after day uh, doing something that you don't really, maybe you're having a hard time seeing that it's really producing the fruit that you think that it should because you feel like you're giving it all. I mean, you feel like you're dying every day and you're not seeing it yet. And it's true. Many times, many people don't see the full fruit in their lifetime. The fruit of their labor doesn't come until years and years after. But man, they're up in heaven and the Father is saying, I honor you. Look at what you've did in this world. And they're up there saying, Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for giving me the strength not to give in. Not to, not to uh, bow down to praise of man and seek my own glory. And so, I want to encourage you this morning that you take inventory of your life. Not in a way that, you know, you feel bad about yourself, but just take inventory and say, God, am I doing it? I want to be the kernel of wheat that dies. I want to be the one who seeks a Zoe life and, and is not seeking to please my own life and loving this life. I, I, you know, i gotta, I got to have my mind set on that there is an eternal life and, and that's what I'm seeking. So, God, if that's the truth in this life, just do what you want with it, God. It's not about me. And God, I want, the, I, want, I want to serve others and, and, and I want to earn the, 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 the honor of my Father in heaven. I don't want to earn the praise of men. How do I do that, God? Am I doing that? Where am I falling short? I want to do a little better, God. 
Can you give me strength to overcome and follow in the footsteps of Jesus that I would, I would be that vessel who brings the light of Christ knowing that I might not see all the fruits in my lifetime, but I want to die to self and I want to serve you, God. So help me to do it. Not in my own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. God will honor that prayer. God will honor that heart. Because it's not about necessarily being perfect or we're going to get it wrong sometimes too. But if the heart is to get it right, then God can make up the gap. I mean, God, God, God is faithful to cover our weaknesses when we fail. But if our heart is to, is to get it right, if our heart is to be the kernel of wheat, the one who, who, who is not seeking to live for today's pleasure, if our heart is to serve Him and follow Him and seek the Father's honor, then, then, then God can, can, His grace can fill in our weakness when we get it wrong. So it's not about being perfect all the time, but are we, are we wanting to? Is, is there a desire? Has God gotten a hold of us? And God will honor that prayer. God will honor that heart. And I want to say to my friends here sitting in this room with me, I'm grateful that all of you have that heart. It encourages me every day to know that I work with people who are desiring to live a life that honors God, that pleases God, that serves the needs of others. And we're not here seeking our own will, seeking our own pleasure. And we're not perfect here in this room. You may not be perfect there listening to me today, but we are seeking to see the kingdom of God come in this world. And we want to be a part of that in any way that we can. All right, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, We'll see you tonight at 7, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Visit com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time.